0: Welcome again. Ooh, we on here. We <clears throat> Welcome again to First United Methodist Church. My name is Ryan Striebeck. It's a joy to be with you today. I do have a mild case of laryngitis and so, uh, you can either pray for my voice that will hold up or you can pray that it will run out quick and the sermon will be short. So, may- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe we'll have a combination. So, um, I really am grateful to be with you. I'm very thankful. I'm thankful like the gal that won the Dr. Pepper challenge yesterday at halftime of the Big 12 uh, championship, and, you know, and she she makes more footballs through the opening than the other gal, and so she gets a $100,000 scholarship towards her school, and they ask her, you know, if she has any comment? She's just all bubbly and just saying, I'm so thankful to my parents and my da-da-da-da-da, and I'm so thankful to God, and mainly Dr. Pepper. <coughs> So, you know, I'm thankful for y'all. I'm thankful for Dr. Pepper and other things. Um, but it's, it's good to be with you in the season of Advent as we anticipate the coming of Jesus. You know, Jesus came 2,000 years ago as an answer to the prayers of our ancestors. And he came as the Messiah, and he lived among us. That's the first Advent. That's the arrival of Jesus. Jesus comes again today. He comes when you are gathered with your friends and your family and you pray he comes when we have Holy Communion. He comes when the Word is read and proclaimed. He comes when we cry out to Him in darkness and in fear. And He will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. That will be the final Advent. So we sort of have, we're in this in between, the first and final Advent. And uh, we, we anticipate and we celebrate Jesus coming to us in all of these ways. And that's what this season is all about. Uh, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which just means arrival. And so we're, we're anticipating the arrival of God's presence. And, uh, so we invite your family and this family, all of us together to make this pilgrimage together. <clears throat> Consolation. Consolation. It's a word that we use pretty often. We understand. We were laughing about how, what word associations we have, you know, and, Part of the time when I think consolation, I think consolation prize. So like third or fourth place or something like that. Or last place. Uh, But most of the time we think consolation, we think comfort. And that's the most commonly used uh, way that we would use that. Even some translations of the old Isaiah 40, comfort my people, right? Comfort, oh comfort. Some translations will say, console. Console my people. So we that's kind of the gist of what's going on here. And, and we, we're we stealing this word from Luke chapter 2. And when Luke is telling us the story of Simeon, who's anticipating the, the birth of Jesus his whole life, and he's waiting, Luke tells us, for the consolation of Israel. And he actually has his waiting fulfilled as Jesus is born. And uh, he gets to see Jesus presented in the temple. And he just declares, you know, thank you God that you have allowed me. I can, I can be at peace now. I can be at rest because my eyes have seen your salvation that I've waited for. So consolation. It's one of the most beautiful human experiences. You can picture someone cradling. I mean, you just, you don't have to look very far to see someone holding a baby, uh, see someone holding a child and bringing what they need most, which is consolation. You may remember a time where someone else was holding a child close to you, and they said, here, you console them. (laughs) Whether it's a little baby or a big baby, uh, we are often called upon to bring consolation to others. Uh, You remember the prayer of St. Francis, right? There's, you know, uh, many things, and, and, and one of the lines in there is, Lord, let me not seek so much to be consoled as to console. But it's a common and beautiful human experience. When a baby is consoled and has confidence to face the world because they have a safe set of arms to rest in, it's beautiful. The lack of consolation is one of the most destructive human behaviors. It's easy to understand why When, when that is, when kids are deprived of that or people are deprived of that, they sometimes act the way they do. It's a basic human need. Consolation. So we together are with Simeon, we're waiting for the consolation of Israel. Come thou long expected Jesus, right? Born to set your people free. From our fears and sins release us and goes on to talk about Israel's strength and consolation. The strength and consolation of the church. Jesus himself is who we wait for. If you'd like to follow along, uh, the sermon text today is in Luke 21. Luke chapter 21. And this is kind of a longer reading. I'm not going to read all of it, but we're looking at verses 25 through 36. Jesus is in the temple. Area. This is the part where it's just right before the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples there. And uh, he tells the story, uh, Luke tells the story of them being in the temple. And there's the, the the widow, the poor widow, who puts in the two copper coins. And while she is doing that in a very basic and humble way, many people are looking at the temple and saying, Ooh, ah, isn't the temple so beautiful? And here we see all these things on the outside. Isn't it gorgeous? Jesus begins to talk about what's kind of lacking in the heart and how that temple, as beautiful as it is, is not what they've really been longing for. They're longing for God, and in many cases they have missed God. And so Jesus starts talking about the destruction of the temple that's going to come, and he talks about the last things, when when Christ will return, when he will return, and and everything will be judged, right? And he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. So This is what he's talking about. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations. Confused by the roaring of sea and waves, people will faint with fear, foreboding of what is coming. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He tells them a parable. Look at the fig tree and look at all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you that this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And finally, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that the day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and stand before the Son of Man. So, Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple. And this is the last things. And the the other thing he's talking about, like you said, is is his return, final victory. And so, in a way, the first thing he's talking about, the destruction of the temple, is a sign of the second, when Christ will return. The temple has always been a sign for the universe. Think about it in the imagination of a Jew the temple is the whole universe encapsulated. The, The Holy of Holies in the center place was a symbol of heaven, and all the rest of the temple was a symbol of the land and the sea, everything else that we have around us. The colors of the veil in the temple were four colors representing the four elements of the known earth, right? Earth, water, wind, fire. The seven-branched lampstand, the menorah, was signaling the seven known planets of that day. The 12 loaves of presence signifying the 12 months of the year. The temple was pointing to the universe, and Jesus was inviting them to look a little deeper, not just look at the temple itself, but to look at the God whose presence fills the temple. So the call in the midst of all of that, Jesus is calling out to his disciples and anyone who will listen, and calling out to us, stay alert, pay attention, wake up, I love the bit in the text about Jesus saying look things are going to get rough and you will gain your lives by your endurance your your endurance is what's going to produce life in these hard times and as you look to the end of your life it's not going to be something spectacular it's not going to be the next great sermon or the next big pick me up in our spiritual lives by your endurance by patience and the things that you already know namely my words, that will never pass away. Endurance in these things will produce the kind of life that you're desperate for, that you're looking for. So there's the call. Talks about these signs and all these things going on. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You know, Christian hope is associated with the season of Advent where we we know how the story ends so we can we can hope confidently. We can place our hope in something real and tangible and, and lay hold of something that's not going to move. Right? Hebrews talks about this anchor of the soul. An anchor that's, that's hooked the right rocks at the sea floor and it is not moving. The things that we understand about Christ's return provide for us a place to latch our anchor. To say, if that's the way it's going to end, I can hang on. If Christ will return and make proper judgment, and he will judge the world in righteousness, he will set things right that have been made wrong, I can hang in there. If that's the God who's coming back, he can save us, I can hang in there. Heaven and earth will pass away, all the other crazy stuff can happen, but the words of Jesus never fade, but we can hold on. And you know, as we're called to stay awake, I tend to think of like a a grin and bear it sort of thing, like prop my eyelids open, splash some water on my face, drink another cup of coffee, and just ugh, I'm gonna make it through the night. Really I think this has more to do with us sort of being consoled. I believe the consolation that is there for us. Believe the gospel. Believe in Christ coming today, believe in Christ coming tomorrow, and believe in Christ coming at the end of all things. Do you and I believe that Jesus will return? Do you and I believe that a judgment, in a judgment, that will be good news for some, redemption for some, that will be horrible news and destruction for others? Are we staking our claim, staking our lives on something as beautiful as the end that's painted for us? So as we prepare ourselves to look and behold the manger and come let us adore him, let's look first at the second coming. Let's look first at this call to stay awake, to be alert, watch yourselves, Jesus says. Let your, heart, let your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that they the day might sneak up on you suddenly like a trap. I love that word dissipation. And some of you engineers and physicists in the room probably set me straight if I'm wrong here. But I think you know, dissipation, one of the ways to understand it is the loss of energy. Right? Energy is momentum that was there, energy that was there is now scattered. It dissipates, it falls away. And we all know what that's like. So part of holding on to the gospel and keeping our eyes open is just not letting things fall away, like those basic energies, those simple things that we know laying hold of Christ, holding on to Jesus, when everything sometimes crumbling around us to hang in there. Jesus says stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape the things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. What I love about this call to prayer is it's a long-term prayer. It's pray that you will have strength to stand way down the road. I mean, the day could be tomorrow. It could be 20 years from now. It could be 2,000 years from now, we don't know, nobody knows. But either way, it's a long-range prayer. It's the kind of thing that a farmer does when he walks in his field. And he's not just thinking about what the field's going to do that year, but he's thinking about when his grandson farms that field. What does he need to do now to increase soil health, that things will be good for those kids that come along? How do I have this long-term plan? the farmer's prayer is a long-term prayer. The Christian's prayer is a long-term prayer. When's the last time we prayed for the strength to stand in a day that we don't have any idea when it's going to come? It's a great prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. takes some of the grin and bear it out of our lives and sort of puts it on the burden of Jesus who's asking us to come and pray to him, to cast our cares and anxiety on him because he loves us, because he cares for us. So one of the simple ways that we hope to stay awake as a community one of the ways that I try to stay awake during special seasons like this is kind of a renewed sense of purpose in reading scripture. And so uh, all of you should have received a bookmark in your bulletin. If you didn't, we've got a bunch of extras in the office or laying around. It's just a real simple way to read scripture as a family or as a church, just one reading a day, a way to just kind of live into the season, to welcome what it is that God wants to do among us. And we know that while I'm sitting there reading it, drinking my coffee or driving down the road listening to it, or when I'm doing I know that some of y'all are doing the same thing, and it gives us a little bit of that energy. breaks us away from the possibility of dissipation. We probably shouldn't talk about breaking away from dissipation. That's kind of like breaking away from breaking away. I'm I'm, I'm looking at the engineers going, am I saying this right? Okay, anyway. You get the idea. And finally, consolation is not reserved for children. Thanks be to God. Right? Because no matter how big we get, we never outgrow the need to be consoled. We never outgrow the need to sort of be picked up and carried and comforted. Christian hope in the coming of Christ is a pathway to consolation. And that's the journey that I'm inviting you to this morning. It's the journey that I'm praying for the grace to endure this morning. I believe that Christ wants to console us, just like we want to console a baby when they're crying. I want to close with a prayer that may be familiar to some of you. We sometimes sing it in worship. It's called the glory of and a glory be to the Father. And it's been in Christian worship since Christians have been worshiping. And calls to mind the end and how it all shakes out. So I'm to leave you with this prayer as we sort of lay hold of these promises of Jesus. As we stay awake, as we open our eyes, hear these words. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen.